0: Well, good morning again, and uh, I forgot to say this before, but welcome to those of you who are joining us online. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Pastor Graham, I'm the teaching pastor here at Elam Chapel, and today is the first Sunday of Advent. Advent is the season leading up to Christmas, and uh, we want to share on that topic, and we want to be thinking about that and preparing ourselves for the season of Christmas. So in that spirit, let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll get into the word for today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time together. We thank you that you are with us. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for the hope that you give, for the life that you give, God. We pray that you would be with us this morning. Open your word to us. Open our hearts and minds that we would receive from you. Help us to be good soil that would produce a crop. In your name we pray. Amen. So as I mentioned, Advent is the season that leads up to Christmas. It's the the four Sundays before Christmas. It's usually the the last Sunday in November, but because of a quirk of the calendar this year that December 24th happens to fall on a Sunday, Christmas Eve is itself the fourth Sunday of Advent, which is kind of weird, but fine. So this year, we actually get to have Advent all in December, which will thrill my mom because she is always thrown off by that. She's forever going, come over, it's the first Sunday of Advent. I'm like, mom, it's the second Sunday of Advent. It started last week. She never was. Anyway, so Advent means arrival. It means coming. As John mentioned last week in our message, this first Sunday of Advent is especially focused not on Christ's first coming as a baby, but on looking forward to Christ's second coming as king of the universe who will set all things right His first coming was in humility and weakness, but his second coming will be in power and in might. As a result, the theme of this first Sunday of Advent is hope, and hope is an interesting topic. It's a theme that seems to come up a lot, both in church and also just in our culture at large. Movies love to play on the theme of hope, even when the lines are sometimes ham-fisted. Can you think of any? There's some, there's some bad ones out there. But hope is so relatable. I think that's why it comes up all the time. Because life is hard, and the world can be difficult, and we want to believe that things will be better one day. We anticipate a future where circumstances are better than they are now. That is hope. And in a lot of ways, we are all anticipating a future where things are better than they are now. It could be as simple as a future in which you are entertained because there's a a book or a film that's coming out that you're really looking forward to, right? Looking forward to a future in which you are entertained or this guy stops talking. It could be as complex as a future in which your life becomes entangled with another because you're looking forward to finding a long-term romantic partner. Or maybe it's something as real as looking forward to a time when you are more stable financially, when the bills are paid on time and you don't need to work all the time just to try to make it by, right? Those are all things that we look forward to, but I'm going to be honest, those are all kind of small potatoes. That's right, potatoes. Fry them, mash them, stick them in a stew. Come on, that's one of the great Christmas movies. You don't think Lord of the Rings is a Christmas movie? Then riddle me this, why are there elves in it? Oh, where was I? Oh, small potatoes, right, Uh, think about it. All of the examples that we just gave are things that have clear and definitive points where you're gonna get there and you're gonna say, now what? right for sure when you close the last page or the credits roll on the new piece of entertainment for sure right something like that we all understand that then we say now what right but marriage is like that too no sooner do you get married than people start asking well when are you having kids marriage isn't a goal marriage is a step once you get married then you then you get to build life together right it's not the end goal And even if you're in a place of financial and life instability, getting out of that, just getting out of that isn't the goal. You don't just want to stabilize. You want to be able to do something with your life, right? You want it to be worthwhile. You want to be able to enjoy it and make a difference and be a blessing, even if it's just your kids, right? There's more to it than just stabilizing. But hope is part of life. We're looking forward to all kinds of different things. It's the first Sunday of Advent. Who's looking forward to Christmas? Yep, me. I'm, I'm looking forward to Christmas. I am 35 years old. I still wake up on Christmas morning. Bing! It is Christmas! I, you know, it uh, drives Danielle nuts because she likes her sleep, and, but uh, you know, she's got three kids in the house on Christmas morning. I'm looking forward to Christmas. What else are you looking forward to? Do you have a trip coming up? Are you about to finish a degree? Do you have a wedding date or the birth of a child coming up? There's something wonderful about being in that state of hope, isn't there? (laughs) Now, has anyone just come back from a trip? Have you just finished a vacation? Have you just finished a book or a TV series? What about just coming off the end of a relationship, job, or program. Sometimes the thing that we've been waiting for wasn't everything that it was cracked up to be, was it? Sometimes it was good, but it wasn't enough. Like a three-day weekend, am I right? Right, it was good, I'd like a three-day weekend, but it wasn't enough. Sometimes it really turned out to be something other than what you were expecting. So hope can be a confusing thing because we've been disappointed so many times. And Christmas is like that for many of us. On the less important but still real end of the spectrum, maybe the gift-giving is a disappointment, right? Maybe that's something that you've had. And then on the other end of, like, very, very real disappointment, maybe there's an empty seat at the table this year. Maybe all the seats are empty, except yours. I'm dealing with that this year. As many of you know, I was really close to my grandfather who passed away this year, 11 months ago today, actually. This has been a year of firsts without him, and this will be the first Christmas without our Papa. But even in that, there is something to look forward to. I am looking forward to the day when I will see him again. I live in the hope that God gives, the hope of eternal life and the wedding supper of the Lamb. But why? Why should we hope? Why should we think that this is any different than Christmas or a three-day weekend or the movie that you were waiting for? Why is this any different? Biblical hope is different than how we normally think of hope. We usually think of hope in terms of wishing. You know, I hope this happens. I hope the burger is good. I hope she likes me back. I hope our congregational meeting doesn't run till one o'clock again. I hear the laughs. But biblical hope is closely tied to faith. In Hebrews 11, verse one, we read that faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. So faith isn't just hope, it's confidence. It's confidence so strong that it's practically evidence, at least for the one who believes. It's being so totally convinced that hope doesn't seem like a strong enough word. We see the connection again in Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which now we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. The Apostle Paul raises the issue of hope again in Philippians, though this time he doesn't actually use the word. In Philippians 1.6, we read, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, he doesn't use the word hope, but that is absolutely What is going on. Paul's hope, his confidence, the substance of his faith is that God will finish what God has started. This is one of the things that I love so much about God in a way that God is not like us. I don't know about you, I'm really good at starting things. Right? Finishing things is another matter. But I'm great at taking out a gym membership. I'm great at finding a diet plan. I'm great at buying books that I would like to read. I'm great at having an idea for a story. I'm great at starting stuff. Can anyone relate? Finishing is hard. But God finishes what he starts God has started working in you. God has started working in me, and God will finish it. When I look at my own life, when you look at your life, and you see all the ways in which you are not like Jesus, all the things about you that make you crazy, we can know that we are looking at areas where God is not done, amen? So why? Why can we be so confident about something like that? What is it about hope that turns it into faith? I submit to you that the difference between faith and hope is trust, and that trust is built. God's story, this story, is a story of God's faithfulness, that God has come through in ways and places and times that no one has expected. I would argue that the foundational story of the Bible is the Exodus. Now, there's a whole book of the Bible that comes before that. It's sort of The Hobbit to The Lord of the Rings. Wait, I already did that reference. Um, it's sort of The Phantom Menace to The Clone Wars. It's a prequel, right? It's a prequel. It, it comes beforehand. Genesis is an important book, but it's kind of backstory. The story of the Exodus is where everything about the Bible, everything about God comes into sharp, sharp focus. The story of the Exodus is that the people of God, the nation of Israel, were slaves in Egypt, and at the right time, God sent Moses to the king of Egypt to demand their freedom, and when he refused to perform miracles and signs to show God's power, Egypt eventually figured it out. Skip over some steps. But God cared for his people. God rescued his people and he provided and he dwelled with them. And so later in the history of Israel, when Israel found themselves in trouble again and oppressed again and far from God again, they were able to look back at God's faithfulness in the past, at God's goodness in the past, at God's action in the past and have hope For their future. That is where the Messiah comes from. Of course, the Messiah was God's idea, right? And God was the one making the promises. I don't mean to say that Israel came up with this idea. But it is because of God's past actions that the people were able to look at these promises and live entire generations in faith and hope, waiting for God's promised Redeemer. And they waited. And they waited until one night, while the people waited and the powers oppressed, and the world seemingly went on as it ever had. Till one night, there were shepherds in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And so one night, Jesus happens. God steps into the world. The artist inside the paint, the architect in the plans, the playwright on the stage. The people of God waited. They had faith. They had hope. And God came through. Jesus came. Jesus lived. Jesus died and he rose again so that we could be in relationship with God. This is God's faithfulness that we cling to today. And so today, we also live in hope. We're not waiting for God's Redeemer to save us from our sin, but we are waiting for God to set the world right. Sin may have been paid for before God, but it still runs rampant in our world. And because we see God's faithfulness in the past, we too can have hope for the future, hope for today, that God would be part of our lives, finishing what He has begun and making us more like Jesus but also hope for the future. That all that is evil with the world will one day be set right. That when we look forward to the wedding supper of the Lamb, that day which the Bible describes in all sorts of metaphor, when God will remake the world into a place free from corruption of sin, we can have hope. In Revelation 21, we read, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. What is your hope? Is Jesus the reason that you can face today? Or are you trusting in your own strength to make you better? Is your own Activism, your hope that the world could be a better place. How's that going? God finishes what He starts, and God has started. God rescued Israel. He has rescued us from the eternal consequences of our sin, and one day, soon, I hope, God will set all else right. Is your hope in God? I'm going to ask everyone to pray. Can we all pray together and with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you need to put your hope in God, if you say that's me, I've trusted in my own strength and it is not going well. I need Jesus to come into my life and make me new and begin that work in me. If that's you, then I would invite you to pray along with me. Lord God, I can't do this. I've tried it my way. And there's no hope there. I need you. Come into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I am a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I trust you, God. You are my hope. Amen. And for the rest of us, God, for all of us, may we dwell in hope this week. May we keep our eyes on you, the author and the finisher of our faith. May we live your light to the world, a life of hope and joy in a world of trouble and despair. We love you, God. Amen.